Blog Talk Radio. There's something outside. What is that? appreciate y'all listening in. I uh, got a lot of good feedback so far um, about the shows. Everybody seems to really enjoy them, and, and you know, you never know what's going to be discussed on this show, so, you know, keep tuning in because we're just getting started. Of course, I want to welcome in to the studio the guy that's all about is Thomas Steenberg. Thomas, how are you? I'm doing just fine, Julie. Doing just fine. Good, good. Been uh, quite the beginning of spring for you guys. I heard you guys got some pretty warm weather up your way. We're enjoying t-shirt weather for the last week or so. It's above above warm, and it seems to be going to be doing this for the next few weeks anyway. Which which means that a rapid snow melt could mean flooding problems later on this spring, but for now we're enjoying it. Well, that's that's good because I know it could be pretty cold about this time of year up there for you guys. It was at the beginning of March. It was freezing. Oh, yeah, you had snow on the ground too, didn't you? Oh yeah, yeah. We always have snow yep. up in the hills, and of course down here. At water level, we get more rain than anything else usually, but it's cold, and it was cold. It was beautiful December, January, most of February, then it hit us. I was too hopeful to think we'd get through the whole winter with a mild one. We got hit, and it was a deep freeze. Wow. Yeah, I remember that, reading the below zero temperatures. Lord knows. Yeah, minus 55. Yeah, that is crazy. Mm Mm-hmm. So, oh, so tonight, guys, I thought we'd switch it up a little bit. Um, we've been focusing a lot on the characters of the beginnings of this wild ride that we call Looking for Bigfoot. Um, characters? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, so what, we, what I want to talk about is some of the more interesting claims out there by some investigators about um, what could be potential evidence of these creatures. Now, I know Thomas and I have talked about before um, 
the beginnings, if you will, of the possibility, the questions being brought up about tree twists. And wasn't that Bob Titmus that had originally started asking about what he was finding and asking if others had seen the same thing? Wasn't that him? Yes, it was the late Robert Titmus who first uh, proposed the hypothesis that twisted trees was some sort of marker created by Sasquatch. But he never, that was never established. He was just asking a question and wondering about it because he kept finding these, you know, twisted trees off, especially down in Northern California in the Bluff Creek region and others up here in the Bella Coola region of British Columbia. And he thought that maybe that might have some explanation for it. Of course, nature plays strange tricks and do all kinds of things with trees, especially if they're weak or have a weak stem or something like that. But the point is, it was just a suggestion. It was just a hypothesis. But after a certain amount of time, before you knew it, by the mid-1980s, every television documentary on the Sasquatch uh, was claiming that Twisted Trees was a, uh, a sign left by these creatures. And through time and retelling and other stories and people finding stuff, it's taken on a life of its own. And in my opinion, it never should have. Because the swar well, I know, the thing is, we, we have never seen a Sasquatch do some of the things that we're going to be talking about. I've never about heard here. a credible right. witness ever even describe watching a Sasquatch do this to a tree. Mm-hmm. People are just finding these things and uh, assuming it is. I mean, the, the late Rennie DeHinden went on a spree all about this, uh, of course, mainly because he couldn't stand Titmus. And <laughs> trying to debunk, and he said, and he went down and made a videotape in Northern California, and he said he was finding treetops broken off all over the place. And he he came with a theory that you know a heavy snow, a, a brutal frost breaks them off, and the wind and they twist and they break off, and that that has happened. And other things, moose. Uh, in areas where moose are common, in order to get to the shoots on young trees. They straddle them, and they bend them down, and they start eating them, and quite often they crack and break and twist at the halfway point. And, of course, if the moose walks away, the poor tree is left there deformed, broken, and dying. <laughs> I mean, that kind of thing happens all the time, you know. And and a lot of people find these things on, you know, always on the roadsides or the trails sides. Uh, where wind does strange things to trees because at one side there's no other trees to keep it from falling. And, uh, you know, in the later uh, cases being proposed by people like, you know, standing and stuff, uh, no one ever bothers to ask why is it always 30 feet off a road or a trail. Well, that's quite obvious an answer for that. When nature does strange things to trees and bad things to trees and, uh, that's what people, for the most part, are finding, and they're just letting their imaginations run away because they want to find something so badly. Bigfoot did it. Mm-hmm. Well, I, okay, and I my, think what you said about wanting to find something so badly that you know, I I can definitely uh, understand that, um, mm-hmm. and it does get frustrating when you know you go out and you go out and you go out and you go out. And you spend hours and hours and days and days on some occasions, and uh, you come back with squat, you know. And after a while, I think uh, I can see why that would be start to sound like a good ideal, you know. (laughs) 
hey, well, let's, let's like you said, on the other hunters. hand, logically speaking, I just told you of instances where moose have, have damaged trees this way. I know of other instances where bears have done so and stuff like that. There's no reason to believe that a large creature uh, like the Sasquatch, assuming it does exist, would damage a tree or do strange things to a tree on occasion. But the idea of establishing that Sasquatch mark their territory with these things and their markers pointing to this, that, people have said, oh, it, where it bends its point, always pointing to water and stuff like that. That has right. never been established. It's just people letting their imaginations run, run away with them. And uh, you got to have evidence. And like I said, I have yet to interview one witness who claimed to have watched a Sasquatch twist a tree. Mm -hmm. I haven't even heard of footprints being found by one of these trees. But people are finding the trees all over the place. Hell, I find them every time I go out. Well, yeah, and that's a, that's, that's a good point. I mean, if you were to find an unusual tree twist, um, I know that, there are some people over here in the wire near me. Uh, they found a tree that was the actual entire tree, and it was probably a good six, seven inches in diameter. And it was actually twisted like a pretzel. Mm -hmm. And the splinters were just, you know, I mean, it, something definitely did that. What did it? We don't know. But it, mm -hmm. I did see pictures of this thing, and it was the most unusual thing I've ever seen. Um, and I'm just wondering, at the time when they found it, because I, I don't know the exact person that found it, I just saw the pictures, I wonder, I know the spot where it was at is a very hot spot area, where there's a lot of sightings been reported there. But I, I always wondered to myself, I wonder if there was anything else found around that at the time, like, you know, foot, footprints or um, maybe some more twists in the general area, something like that. But when you start collaborating different types of evidence together, perhaps then there might be something to it. Well, of course. I, I, I remember one incident when I was a kid in Potash Lake near Bancroft where we were all sitting, we heard a large crack as a bolt of lightning because there was a thunderstorm going on, struck a pine tree that was halfway down the driveway off the side of the road. There was no smoke, no fire, but the tree 10 feet up looked like it had been bent over and corkscrewed. Wow. And it literally, it literally I wouldn't say exploded, but disintegrated right, right where, that, where it was hit, and it twisted it. So it looked like a corkscrew. And, of course, it bent over and fell. Now, someone coming out 20, a few years later finding that tree would say, well, what could have done that? You know, right, people right. think in most cases when a tree is hit by lightning, it explodes or it bursts into flames, and it quite often does. But sometimes it does weirder stuff. I mean, nature <laughs> plays strange tricks, and, it, and it's uncanny mm -hmm. what happens to trees in the forest by other explanations other than a large primate doing it. Right, exactly. And um, the thing with, uh, let's talk about the big X's people find. Like two trees formed into an X. Um, I would have to say that one must look very carefully to establish that those two trees did not come from right where you're standing. 
You know what I mean? Like they fell over. They were dead, and they kind of fell over, and it just so happened that it happened in an X pattern that looks like an X pattern. Um, now, if you have two trees that were snapped off, not, you know, rotted from the bottom, or, or they were snapped off and drugged from another location, like if you had two birch trees, for example, in an X formation, in a group of trees where there are no birch trees, now that could start getting quite unusual um, it would just have to be the circumstance then also you must wonder why would they be making a giant X out there yeah one has to wonder why they would do such a thing and usually when I see things like that the only reason there's an X is because the tree got snagged on other trees and the other one got snagged on the first tree and right where they meet you got an X <laughs> right I mean, that's, yeah, that. that's very, very. But, and yeah, that's, the, the most that of this is, stuff is done by nature. There is no doubt about it. Um, a lot more is done by so-called researchers who are hoaxing and trying to pass yeah. their evidence off as evidence. Because because this stuff to people coming into this field today is a, is accepted as established fact. A lot of people who want their 50 minutes of frame and are not willing to do years of looking and researching and and they they want the attention rather than the uh, trying to find out whether or not this creature exists or not they're just after attention they're going out and making stuff themselves photographing it going back getting on the internet posting their pictures saying look what we found how do you explain this I mean we got a group just not just down the road from me who go in the Golden Ears Park all the time and are doing this all the time. They're finding stick glyphs and and logs shoved up in trees and stuff like that. And I, well, I got a simple explanation. They're doing it. <laughs> are they really doing that? Yes, of course they are. One wow. of them was, I won't mention his name, uh, just his initials, Randy Brisson. I personally <laughs> caught red handed throwing rocks. I mean... He was always going out and inviting members of the BFRO uh, out to look at this evidence. And uh, I was interested in Randy at first because he claimed to have had a sighting of a 12-foot Sasquatch. The story sounded convincing. But but he started, well, the the biggest thing with hoaxes is they usually can't stop themselves. And they just go overboard and and the red flags go up. So I was Mm -hmm. out there. He invited this group of BFRO people. And... I told one I had suspicions from the beginning, so uh, during this three-kilometer hike down this nature trail in Golden Ears Park, I told David Hill, stay back about 50 feet and make sure he never falls in behind the group because all this stuff always seemed to happen when he either slipped off to the side or went fell in behind, and all of a sudden a rock would be thrown. And rock was a generous term. It was more like big pebbles. And it turned out he had a pocket full of them and <laughs> <laughs> and this cargo Oh, my. Wow. Like I said, um, you, you, you just he, they just can't stop themselves. And, and the last one, <laughs> I just happened to look right at him when he flung one, and I, I saw a ricochet off a tree, which I don't think he meant to hit. <laughs> I just shook my head. Uh, and that's how all that fell apart. Oh, wow. Bottom red-handed. Yeah, right? that's not good. Not good yeah, at no, all. Him and, and him and his little group of followers out there no longer tell me anything, and they think of me as the enemy because I don't fall for their nonsense. 
and their stick glyphs and reports of Sasquatch with hats that look like birds' nests and everything else they have. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, so that's another point, you know, the hoaxing thing. Um, and that's why everybody's got to do their due diligence with this stuff. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying whether these creatures do it or don't do it, because I don't know. I've never seen one do it. Don't know anybody who has seen one do it. But we don't know what type of behaviors or things that they might do. Um, and for what reasons, you know, because we're not thinking in the same terms that these creatures would be thinking because they are masters of their environments. Mm-hmm. Something that they might think to do would never cross our minds. So could they be using structures to mark their territory? I don't know. Oh, I don't there know either. There are some very odd I... things that have been found out there. Yeah, but in my my opinion, I've never seen any evidence in any of them that Sasquatch has anything to do with them. And these so-called shelters, most of the time, they wouldn't keep the weather off a chipmunk, so I don't know why they'd bother. The weather off a chipmunk. Like I said, they're always found just a few feet off a road or a trail. They're never found out in the middle of nowhere. They're always just right off a trail. And... Well, when the when the trail was made or the cut line was made, they pulled the trees out of the ground, especially in the Rocky Mountains, Alberta, where it's mostly lodgepole pine. They're only like eight inches across. They have a machine that just mm-hmm. pulls them right out of the ground. They don't even cut them. And a right. lot of them are piled up. A lot of them are burned in the wintertime in huge piles. Some are sold to make firewood. But the crew quite often put a bunch of them together, covered with a tarp, and they have a barbecue get-together out there. When they're all done, the barbecue goes away, the tarp goes away, but they leave the sticks. And people are finding these things and assuming yeah. Sasquatch is doing it. Or like in Burke Timber Creek, there was an area where the military went in to do their survival training, and guys would leave shelters and make them. And I know I did when I was in, and, and mm-hmm. you're supposed to... You're supposed to tear them down and not leave any sign you're there, but some guys are lazy and they left them. And people find them and said, oh, Sasquatch must be here. Here's a shelter. No one else was here. Exactly. <laughs> well, you're there. What makes you yeah, think And you got to look else? at the shelter and think if an eight-foot-tall creature yeah. built something for shelter, how does that coincide with the overall body structure? <laughs> I mean, right. is this structure actually big enough for even a human to go into and is it just big enough for a human to go into then you know it probably wasn't made by human then yeah quite often they are i remember uh i made a blog uh, a video about this on my blog site and it's on youtube as well about shelters and nests someone wrote in and they sent me pictures about the shelter saying well how do you explain this we found this in an area the only sign, uh, we did found no a sign of people except some old boot that looked like it was rotted away and had been there for years. I said, well, you're one up in the Sasquatch. You found evidence of people, the boot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, my God, that's hilarious. Oh, well, no one's yeah, ever so, been here before. I said, well, you're there. What makes you think no so one else is there? You're there, and there you find a, a boot, right? Um, right. Now, recently, I've been spending a lot of time over in the Uari forest over here and this particular area has the most reported sightings in my entire state by history so um i have found the structures that people have made and the thing is 
there's Boy Scouts that go out there, and they practice making these shelters, and and they just leave them there. Mm-hmm. And I've seen, you know, several of those. And I'm just wondering if there's other investigators that might have been in there, saw those that took pictures of them, and are, they're out there in Facebook world somewhere saying, look at the Sasquatch shelter I found. Um, you know, because there's several of them over there throughout the forest. Yeah. But you'd have to think, um, if something that was that big, I mean, people describe these things as enormous, you know, six, seven hundred pounds, eight feet tall. It'd have to be a hell of a big structure to make it worth their while for any type of, of environmental protection. Absolutely, and in all the history of reported sightings uh, that I know of, when people have seen Sasquatch sleeping, they're not in a shelter, they're not in a stick structure, they're basically just lying on the ground, maybe under a tree somewhere. Uh, They don't seem to have any concern for the weather conditions at all. And I don't know, people like to give them that, in their minds, they like to give the Sasquatch that primitive human aspect to make them a little bit more like us to deal mm-hmm. with, understand. But like I said, it all started off as a hypothesis, and through time and retelling, these all these things have taken on a life of their own, and in my opinion, and I stress this is only my opinion, that never should have. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And... Uh, you know, I like I said, stick to the facts and never deviate the facts. Uh, is there any evidence at all that has been found to associate these things with Sasquatch? And so far, my answer in my own years of research is no. Right, and not even the first report of somebody coming up upon one that was building a structure. That's right. And the ones who so, do claim they, the, the stories are rather wild and unbelievable, and they, and when you hear it, the red flags go up. But just once, I'd like to hear some story of someone finding something and taking a picture of a footprint near it or something like that. Anything. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. I've seen tracks uh, by these things my, uh, by so-called nests myself, and they're usually got claws. They're bear tracks. Uh, yeah. so, right. you know, that just goes on and on and on. But... Because it's now been retold and, and taken on a life of its own, everyone getting in this, they think it's real. So everybody who makes a documentary now, every time they find something like this, they think they're finding something made by Sasquatch. Uh, look at Les Stroud's videos. He's heard all this stuff, and so when he finds it, he's wondering. Of course, well, I, I hate to bring up Todd Standing again, but half the time I think he was making them, let alone finding them, but or he was finding ones that... <laughs> That the that the logging industry did, uh, or just natural things that were there by wind, snow, frost, and other other mm-hmm. causes, and uh, maybe he adds one or two to them to try and make it look weird or teepee like, and there you go. Well, yeah, I mean there is that possibility for sure, and. Um you know, I sometimes I'm I'm thinking to myself, why? And, and this is just something that I thought of, and you know, there you go. It's a theory of mine, a hypothesis, if you will, along the lines of all this stuff. 
you think you think about a hunter when they go out hunting a lot of times they like to use a blind mm-hmm. and the whole idea of the blind is to disguise yourself so that the prey do not see you camouflage. and right the camouflage aspect so I know I came across some things before out there that were by game trails. And it looks like it was, you know, several, many branches that were broken off, um, arranged in a manner that if you stood behind it and, so you know, if you're coming up that game trail and somebody was standing up behind it still, you wouldn't be able to see them until you got right up on it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, could they possibly be utilizing some of these things to uh, camouflage their body outlines along game trails to better, you know, a, a chance to snatch a deer rather than spending the time and energy it takes to chase one down? Assuming that the Sasquatch is a predator that feeds on live game, yeah, I suppose it would take advantage of something like that. Correct, yeah. But they seem to be cunning enough, strong enough, and uh, and have animal instincts enough that I think using things like that are unnecessary. Right, and that's the whole thing that I thought about that, and I'm like, well, see, we don't know how they... There's not been a lot of reports of of them being seen chasing deer or anything like that either. I mean, you do have some reports, but it seems like most of the time when they're be they're seen they're by themselves or with, you know, a couple three other and they're just walking along or they're just standing there. They're, you know, it's usually not in the middle of a kill or anything like that. So we have no clue what their hunting preferences are. Correct. I've heard reports of Sasquatch killing small things, raccoons, rabbits, squirrels, gophers, fish, of course. I've heard of them being seen scavenging on things that were apparently already dead. And mm-hmm. uh, we even had the odd Sasquatch report in dumps here in British Columbia before all the open pit dumps were closed, feeding on garbage. But uh, I have never heard of a count where a Sasquatch was seen to stalk and kill large game. They're certainly capable mm-hmm. of it. Well, I'm wondering is, do they make a habit of it? Because they don't seem to have natural equipment other than strength, stealth, and, and size to be able to do it. They don't seem to have large canines. They don't have killing claws. Mm-hmm. But, uh, again, and I think if they were a predator like that, we'd have things like ranchers and farmers reporting missing livestock every year unexplained. And oh, yeah. That doesn't happen. Yeah, that does not seem to happen. So. Right, especially, like, in this area, we have a ton of farms, all kinds of different kind of farming land around here. And, uh, you know, you would think if, if they are going to snatch up chickens or something they you'd be hearing about missing chickens all the time out of these yeah. chicken farms um so you know i also wonder if they don't um like you said just i think they're opportun opportunistic um roadkill maybe you know perhaps i know a lot of people said they've come up on them and they're squatted down over a, a carcass 
on the roadside. So it would make more sense to me because being that big, you want to reserve your energy um, and chasing prey all day long. It seems like it would be using up a lot of energy. Correct. I, I think this is just my own hypothesis, of course, basically on the omnivore. This is assuming it does exist. Uh, it's an omnivore. Right. It's I, it's probably 90% vegetarian and, and 10% meat. But, of course, I got really nothing to base that on other than, you know, the, the long history reports and weighing which ones sound reasonable and which ones don't. And, of course, this is all my own hypothesis. And I fully admit I could be 100% wrong on this, but that's what I think. I think it's an omnivore, basically like a bear. It's about 90% vegetarian, 10% meat. And usually the small game and stuff is enough to fill that 10% scavenging on things that are already dead. Maybe in the case, if it is lucky enough to come across something large it can take out, it will do so. But I don't think it makes a habit of it, or we'd know more about it by now. Right, because there'd certainly be more run-ins with deer hunters, you would think, during hunting season. Yeah, and like I said, ranchers and farmers who can't explain three dead cows over the last week, things like that. Right. And whenever that and that kind of stuff happens here every year, but they always find signs on the mountain lion that did it, or the grizzly bear, or the black bear, you know. Hmm, very interesting. I remember one store just down the road, it's only like 10 minutes away from my back door here, where a, a woman saw one chasing a her, uh, a five or six cows in a field, but it, it didn't seem like it was trying to harm them, it seemed like it was playing a game with them. Because it would stop, and the cows would stop and look at it, and then it would start running at them again. The cows would run, and it would follow, and suddenly it would stop, and the cows would stop again. It would start walking the other way, the cows were following it. <laughs> it was kind of a kind of a, kind of a thing. Yeah. <laughs> she saw a Sasquatch doing that? Well, she thinks it was a Sasquatch. She said it was wow. big, like walking on two legs, and it seemed to be covered two in legs. black. Wow. Yeah. But That's that, amazing. That back to 70s, that one does, yeah. Oh, my. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. That's, that's a good report right there. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, your your theory sounds like it could very well be because, um, you know, if these creatures, they blend in so well with their environment. I mean, it would probably be easier for them to snatch up a small rodent than trying to mess around with an elk or... Um, a cow. I mean, but these the elk out hand, there, they're not super friendly, and they can do some damage, Yeah, <laughs> even to something like that. Of course, and uh, but you have to also consider the fact there's a very large animal, some eight feet tall, weighs 800 to 1,000 pounds. It probably has to, in order to survive, have a, a rather large calorie intake on a daily basis. So, again... In the Pacific Northwest, yeah, there's abundant food and vegetation to do that, but some of the places elsewhere where you hear reports, you got to wonder. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. And why aren't we, uh, if we are predators, why aren't we getting farmers and ranchers complaining about livestock disappearing and stuff like that? Because that would be easy pickings for them if they were, if they were true predators. Right, and and that could explain a lot. I mean, I've I've heard the theory that these things are so intelligent that they don't want to uh, 
be grabbing up Farmer Joe's animals and blowing blowing its cover that it's in the area, you know, having some people going out and looking for what's causing this. I think the more reasonable explanation would be that they tend to uh, not need tons and tons of, of meat per day. Yeah. Um, and they they can eat smaller animals and, and maybe they do deer kills every once in a while if they're in a clan, you know, if they're female or little ones or whatever. I can imagine then they would need to take down an elk or a deer on occasion. But, uh, and again, there's no evidence of, of exactly what they would do, but I'm just basing it on what we do know about large apex predators. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, he's he's long dead now, but there was a fellow here uh, who lived near Yale. He'd go hunting every year, and he was very good. He usually got a deer or two during the season, and he always prepared them and brought them home and prepared them and skinned them and prepared them in his backyard. He had a sort of like a setup uh, uh, where he'd hang them by the legs, and you know he got them and he'd strip them down and and do it right there. And he said one time he just he just came into the house to go to the bathroom and he came out and the deer was gone, and it looked like uh, one hoop was hanging on where one was uh, uh, in one of the uh, one of the ropes, and he said these large man-like footprints were there that weren't there 15 minutes before. Wow. <laughs> and he well, said, but see, now that, that never happened. Definitely that something never happened to consider when you have. He continued to strip deer there for the next 10 years, and it never happened again, just the one time. Uh, so, again, that's a case of scavenging, right? It was already dead, and it, right. just took, and it just took it, assuming it was a Sasquatch, and it was Sasquatch tracks he saw. Right. Yeah, but he, well, you he know, never... that reminds me, there's been some reports over here in the Uwari of of men who are hunting deer, and then, you know, they make the kill, and... They'd go about and do something else before they got over to that deer, and then when they got over there, it was gone for whatever reason, whether someone else took it or something took it, you know, and a lot of these times there's been reports where a person sees it at X number of feet, takes the shot, you know, gets ready to walk By the time they walk over there, it's gone. So now that's kind of curious. Yeah, and of course on the West Coast there's so much, uh, uh, especially on on the oceans and the islands and on the mainland on the ocean beaches. There's so many clams and shellfish and stuff, and a lot of reports of Sasquatch seen on the beaches at night digging for clams and stuff like that. And I learned from experience going on Operation Sea Monkey that hell we never we never we barely had to touch our supplies because we were catching so much of the. Uh, shellfish and and shrimp and stuff and our ne- and, and our traps and stuff. We were eating sea fresh seafood every night, and the bears are just having a grand old time on this stuff. And there's no reason to assume the Sasquatch couldn't too. So uh, yeah, right. And of course, yeah. no reports of any shelters over there. Yeah, and then no reports of any shelters or things like that. So. So, yeah, I mean, it's there's just so many things out there that, 
it's hard to assume things if you're being honest with yourself. You don't want to assume things, but um, there are some unusual things that do happen out there in the woods, uh, like the the rock throwing. Yeah. Now we know that there are primates that do throw things um, that that have been documented. There are many, many, many investigators who have had rocks thrown at them. Including While yours, they're truly. they're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And some of these things have actually, you know, heard screaming at the same time. Large branches being thrown through the air. Um, so what's your take on that, Thomas? The well, rock that throwing rock throwing is uh, definitely a possibility. I know of several accounts that were uh, involved rocks being thrown. Sometimes the animal is seen, quite often it's not. I know myself in, in 2014 with two other researchers in the area we like to go to, something was throwing rocks through the high trees near us, but we never saw anything. And we looked at every other possibility, even a, an old man who was guarding the gate at the head of this row we went in who wasn't there and was rather surprised we were in there. I thought maybe he was throwing the rocks through the trees not knowing we were there, but he was so far away he would have had to have been the world's greatest outfielder in baseball history to do that. Right. Uh, we still don't know where those rocks came from or who threw them or what did. And uh, uh, in 2008, uh, Bear Hunter, had the first thing he saw was this large boulder rolling towards him that landed in the swamp water and splashed him, and he just saw this figure moving off through the tree line uh, on the other side of this bog where the rock came from. He thought he had irritated some guy, other hunter, who threw a rock to get him out of there. And he said, but, you know, I'm six foot four. I'm dressed in, high, in camo gear carrying a high-power rifle. I don't know about most people, but I wouldn't throw a rock at a guy like that. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, no, that was, probably wouldn't be uh, a very good idea. Well, but, we yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of, of reports of the but, rock. But throwing. While we Even, were investigating this, is that we found the tracks. So there were tracks to back up that hmm. story. But the problem with rock okay. throwing is... Okay, there you have it, some collaborating yeah. evidence. Right. But uh, the rock throwing, again, being talked about so much, it's one of the easiest things to hoax. And I was telling you earlier about mm-hmm. this group in Golnears right. Park, this fellow who I personally caught hoaxing throwing rocks. So, it, it, <laughs> like I said, stick to the facts and never deviate the facts. Look into it. And, and right. look the other possibilities the and before you you start assuming that the Sasquatch did it. Yeah. yeah, and if you're out in the middle of, of no man's land and, you know, you've hiked in, takes an hour and a half to get there on foot, um, and you get some very large rocks thrown at you from a very far distance over the treetops, then that's definitely something... That would make me nervous. Yeah, not always rocks, too. I've heard reports of large shehalis being thrown as well. That's a logging mm-hmm. term up here for large pieces of wood, dead wood, things like yes. that. Uh, it, Tree branches. A, and, yeah, and people have reported seeing Sasquatch do this, and they usually report it of a rock or something. It's, thrown in a, it's always thrown in an underhand motion, never like a pitch, like we do it. It's always mm. underhand motion, and, and the thing kind of loves it. So far, they're very bad shots, because I haven't heard of anyone who's actually been hit yet. But, no, me neither. Yeah. And yeah. 
that makes you wonder. It's, wow, you know, or how do they keep from getting hit? Now I know some it people have had them with right by their ear, right by their eyeball, right, you know, almost <laughs> touching them as it went by. So getting the ground nearby or splashing the water nearby, yeah. that kind of. But it never ever really hits anybody. Yeah. Mm-mm. And uh, there was maybe a, it's uh, it. up in Ohio when I lived up there. There was a uh, place that we were investigating, and the property owner had seen one on his property three times, and he he reported to us that he was standing out there in his property, just kind of looking around, you know, because he always went out there and checked out his his property, make sure things were okay, and see what ha- was happening now and um he did find some legs of deer stacked up against this tree and just mm-hmm. the legs stacked up against the tree and when he was bent down examining it a branch came from his left flying out from the woods and it hit his baseball cap and knocked it off yeah, that would make you quite nervous. Yeah, he, yeah, he, you know, he looked over to his left, and the the wood line was very thick, so he wasn't able to see whatever threw that, but it it spooked him enough to hightail back up to the house. Um, but the thing was, he, you know, here he was looking at these legs of deer that were neatly stacked up against this tree. On his private property, so uh, the whole thing's <laughs> kind of weird. Mm. Yeah, rock so throwing let's is talk definitely about something a... that I find amusing, <clears throat> and I'm yep. sure I'll get hate mail for this. But let's <laughs> talk about these stick glyphs. Oh boy! Yeah, yeah. What in the hell is that about? I don't get well, it. If you if you if you if you talk about uh, to the people who pu- uh, push this stuff, it's Sasquatch leaving messages for you, or it's their gift to you because you left them a, an apple or something. And it's always the same old thing. Personally, I think most of the time, ninety percent of the time, it's the people who are reporting it that made the glyph and took a picture of it, <laughs> <laughs> or someone did it knowing someone would find it. You know that kind well, of thing. Well, yeah, yeah. And and now the whole theory of a glyph, you know, going back, you have to think, what are they making these little, I mean, they're eight feet tall, nine feet tall, gigantic hands, and they're making these little tiny glyphs with little sticks? Yeah. Yeah. I don't understand, because if you're eight feet tall, you're not going to see it anyway, so why would they be leaving stick glyphs for each other to begin with? And it just doesn't Again, make rational sense. Again, I think most of the time it's people looking for 50 minutes of fame and finding, making something to find for their little group of followers to get excited about. Like I said, this group here in Golden Ears Park, I uh, haven't heard from them in recent years, but they were getting quite out of hand there for a little while. Randy Brisson and his little group of followers, there, they were finding all kinds of stick glyphs and stick messages. But of course, it's a, a, it's a desire. Uh, a group of people who call themselves researchers who connect the Sasquatch with, you know, the supernatural, the paranormal, the fourth dimension, or 
UFOs or various other things, and there's a, a general human need to try to make this thing more human than it really is, more primitive human than it probably actually is. You know, people in right. made paintings and hand marks on rocks and stuff like that. We know that. And it kind of gives them that noble savage kind of atmosphere about it. And they like to push that. And, uh, uh, well, to me, assuming that the Sasquatch does exist, to me, it's nothing. It, it is a primate, it's a creature of flesh and blood. And it's, a, it's a, probably more ape like than anything else. The only thing human about it is the way it walked. And that's, uh, that's the camp I've always been in. When I hear people pushing this other stuff, I just say, well, more uh, uh, inmates in the asylum taking over and running things. Um, so, uh, glyphs and stuff, I don't buy at all. Now, something being left by something, because you left something out of there, I mean, that's a possibility. I mean, even Jay Goodall saw chimpanzees doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think Diane Vossi ever had a gorilla do that, except uh, the one she really liked that got the hang around her a lot before it was killed by poachers that she called Gidget. He said she always yeah. said she he, he used to bring her little things like that. So a primate can do things like that. But leaving little signs and little pictures <laughs> and Yeah, give, and I just don't hey, this rock represents man and these two sticks rep with the two rocks I represent the car that he saw the man in and you know, I said, Oh, give me a break. <laughs> That's a really far stretch. Uh, of, yeah, of, yeah, and, and, yeah, and you know, with the internet and stuff, and YouTube and stuff, crazy stuff mm-hmm. like this, you know, inmates running the asylum is now the majority. And then, uh, when the, when I started, they were the very small minority. <laughs> but that's just the way the ball bounces. Yeah, and the whole social media thing. Um, uh, really put up because you can have, like you said, these groups where. The head of the group is, you know, the big guru, and he can mind speak with the Sasquatch and, uh, you know, all that stuff. And I just. Well, hey, maybe I'm the one that's totally wrong. I'm just an old dinosaur holdout from the old guard who just can't accept the reality of the fourth dimension and Sasquatch communicating with Elvis and coming back to show itself every now and then. I don't know. Maybe I'm. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, the people I, I went to on an expedition this weekend and talked to several investigators that have been in this for a long time, and they told me, you know, don't be stupid and, and think that you can just wander out in the woods by yourself alone, no matter if it's a woman or a man, in one of these hot spot areas and, and go out there by yourself because they said, man, these things are opportunistic and... You know, they they couldn't say for sure whether or not they'd snatch you up. So we're talking about a wild animal. So they're not the furry, furry forest friends that people want you to think they are. That's well, the you know what, is, is, what they say. You know, any animal can be dangerous if it feels threatened. Now, I have no of no account since the 1940s where someone has reported a Sasquatch intentionally harming a human being. But I've also no uh, no account. Uh, well, most accounts I've heard, the Sasquatch walks away from you faster than you walk away from it. However, the reality is, 
people do vanish in forested areas in North America every year, and I do think if you ran into a hostile Sasquatch, you would tend to disappear. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, right. So like and, and, said, any animal that we don't know anything about can be unpredictable. Yes, very yeah. much so. Yeah. And so, I just don't think there are these, you know, friendly forest foes, you know, that, that are out there that are – they keep their distance, but yet they're curious. I mean, that's what I hear mostly is yeah. they're, they're very curious creatures, but you don't want to definitely uh, get up in one space and intimidate it. You know, I don't think that'd be such a good idea. No, 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 that wouldn't be a good idea. <laughs> It's like I said in a previous show, uh, when one carries away, we'll get all the fortified evidence we can. Really. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's my, back up my teammates on Monster Tracks always say that. They're like, take one for the team, Julie. Just make sure you leave a trail somehow. Our heroine would not have disappeared in vain. <laughs> exactly. Cursing us for not that's saving hilarious. her. <laughs> What's that? A video evidence of you cursing us as you were being carried away from that statement. <laughs> <laughs> right, <evidence>. exactly. <laughs> you told me they wouldn't eat me. <laughs> but I'll tell you, they, uh, they're just, uh, like you said, omnivore probably, more than likely. Um, they're, they're wild creatures. Yeah. I, I certainly don't know how people... And this whole habituation thing, well, I left out a couple apples, and I went back, and they were gone. Yeah, of course. But that doesn't mean Bigfoot did it. No. I mean, we got to have evidence that Bigfoot did it. That's the point. People are assuming too much. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, because it sounds good and it sounds exciting and all that. You know, ooh, that sexy stuff. But you know, the rather the Bigfoot did it rather than some raccoon. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, you know, uh, but again, it all comes down to stick the facts over deviate the facts and look for evidence. That's what this is all about. We're trying to prove the existence of an animal that, as far as ninety-eight percent of the population is concerned, is mythology and folklore. Right. We believe or believe in the possibility of its existence, and that's what this is all about, stage one, you know, proving that this animal is actually out there. And if it is, the only way that's going to happen is by evidence, not assuming anything. I mean, any photograph or video where when what what's on the image is open to interpretation as evidence, it's just been rendered useless. Exactly. You know, Especially so it has to Draw a big red uh, circle uh, around the object you're speaking of. Yeah, and twisted trees and shelters and nests and all this stuff on its own doesn't mean a thing unless there's some evidence that Sasquatch had something to do with it. And so far, in 40 years, I have seen no evidence that Sasquatch has something to do with it. Right. Yeah, and, well, and I, I, I go, can tell you that again on Facebook. There's these groups, and they'll post all this stuff. And by God, if you say anything to the contrary, man, they'll block you. This, I mean, they'll knock you well, out of get, that group. They get, they'll block they you. Hang. And all of a sudden, you know, you're you're the troublemaker of the Bigfoot community, and all this stuff. And it just, 
Uh, yeah, I don't even go into many of these Facebook groups anymore because I can't. I can't look at that stuff. You know, right. it drives me batty. It's just ugh. you need right, to stop already. Thompson says they found something like this, and they would like to show it. Check it out. Because who knows, maybe someday we will we'll find evidence that Sasquatch had something to do with something of the ash. It needs to be checked out. But don't assume that a Sasquatch has something to do with this. you got to eliminate right. other possibilities, right? you got to eliminate all other possibilities before you... And then you got to find evidence that Sasquatch was a possibility at all. So, uh, again, people are assuming too much. And, uh, and it's all taken on a life of its own, and it's becoming a dominant part of it now, and it it never, ever should have in the first place. Well, I can tell you that the reassuring thing is there are folks like yourself and the the crew from Monster X Radio, Shane Gunner, Craig, Thomas, myself, who are um, more fact driven, if you will. Um, don't get too excited if I, I don't get really super excited if I see a an arched tree. Um, unless there's collaborating evidence that something was there that could have done that, because we don't know why they would arch a tree over. And I mean, that's another thing that gets me is I see pictures of these arched trees and they're like, well, Sasquatch did it. Well, how do you know? And then, then I get the hate mail, you know. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, I want to know the truth as much as anybody else does. But I also don't like the nonsense. Well, of course, people have forgotten what a researcher is supposed to be. A researcher is someone trying to find an answer. He's not a religious leader trying to push a faith. Right. Thank you very much for that, because there seems right. to be and, and too many people are, they're totally convinced that Sasquatch had something to do with it, and, they're in, and they feel it's their to convince the rest of the world that Sasquatch has something to do with it, without looking at any possibility that something else or somebody else could have been responsible for it. And that's not what a researcher is supposed to be about. Exactly. And you know, that reminds me of one thing I forgot to bring up. Um the team that I'm involved with, the Carolina Cryptid um, Field Research Team here in North Carolina, David Pardue is the team founder, and we were up in the URI a couple months ago, and uh, he pointed out some things to me. We, in a lot of force, of course, you're going to have the controlled burns that they do. Right. And... I saw this really strange branch leaning against this tree that looked like it was completely, uh, it shouldn't be there. It was odd um, the way it was propped up there like that. And he pointed out to me, he goes, well, Julie, you know what that is? He said, that's that's the forest workers coming along, and they'll take these branches that are laying around flat on the ground, and they'll prop them up against all these trees so that way when the the burn comes through, they're more apt to get those branches burned up because they're not laying on the wet ground. And then you'll have some that don't completely burn up, and then you have some weird-looking branches leaning against a tree in a formation. 
well, that's just forest workers putting them up there to, to try to help make the burn more successful. So of course, we had we you know, had a, so there's all kinds of little things you gotta consider. Yeah, I mean, and not here on the west them. coast, we had people trying to make a big deal of these inverted trees that were seem to be pushing the ground with the root system up in the air. And I said, well, the, the log, loggers used to do that back in the 40s and the 50s because they've noticed large birds like eagles and stuff were using them to build their nests on. So they thought, kind of thought they were helping out eagles and stuff and doing that. And some of them were doing those jokes to freak out the new guys. Others were putting right. them on the roads, and there was a, probably a sign hanging on it saying, this cut this way, that cut that way, that kind of thing. And they took the sign down, but they left the tree. I mean, uh, it's like I said, you gotta, you gotta, you got to investigate other possibilities before assuming Bigfoot did it. That's exactly right. And I think that's a pretty good place to end the, the show at, too. We're just about running out of time here. Um, great show, Thomas. Uh, I'm glad we... We went down the road that we did tonight because I thought I think it was it needed addressed, and I always enjoy hearing your opinions on these matters because You're you do have two. so much time out there in the field, and I really appreciate your your input. My pleasure, Julie. My pleasure. Stick Great. with facts, never deviate from the facts. And that's uh, right, guys. You heard Thomas say, right. and I have that shirt with your mug on it. That says that on it, and I always wear that when I'm out investigating. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's hilarious. I love it. Well, Thomas, we'll do this again next month, and um, I appreciate everybody coming in and, and listening, and you know, I appreciate any comments, or you know, I'm sure I'll get some hate mail, and it won't be the first time, but you know, you it's just opinions. Well, <laughs> yeah, and it's. Uh, Take it from somebody like Thomas who's been out there for decades doing this, you know. Um, you have to rule everything out before you rule anything in. So, Thomas, thank you for joining me. You're very welcome, my dear. All right. I will talk to you again soon. And How's thank that? you, everybody, for tuning in to another exciting episode of On the Shoulders of Giants, Talking Old Timers with Thomas. This is Julie Wrench, your co-host, and we will catch you again next Thank you. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.